Welcome to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast, where I discover stories of grit, resilience, and connection. I'm your host, Marie GG, and this podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications. If you like what you hear today, visit my Fertile Ground Communications page on Patreon and find out how you can support my work. As a writer and marketing communications coach, I am fascinated by stories. I help people discover what makes them special and help them share that with the world. If you need help with your website, marketing materials, or any kind of document, look us up on FertileGroundCommunications.com. I have a passion for companies that care and give back to their communities. So I'm starting a new podcast, Companies That Care, to highlight those leaders in the industry. My new podcast will launch next week on Earth Day with a series of three episodes about companies focused on sustainable fashion, food, and corporate philanthropy. Then I will start alternating the Finding Fertile Ground podcast with companies that care. Don't miss it. You can find all the information on my website and social media. Today, I interview Muriel Fellou, who bounced back after a depression while raising three teenagers as a single mom and living with hepatitis B. Originally born and raised in France, she founded the Single Moms Doing It All coaching practice and podcast. I posted photos and further details about Muriel on my website, including links to her website and podcast. You can find the background details at www.fertilegroundcommunications.com on the podcast tab. Now, welcome Muriel. Hello, Muriel. Thank you so much for coming on to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, you are the first person that I have interviewed from France. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. I know you live in the US now. Where do you live now? Uh, Right now, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, what's it like living in Las Vegas? Uh, There are good things and there are things that I don't like as much. Um, The good thing is that there is a lot of nature around us and beautiful, beautiful uh, landscapes, you know, with rocks, uh, with a lot of red and really gorgeous. The bad thing is, and I never go around the area where the casinos and all that is because that's not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And it's far from everything. Like you have to drive like three to four hours if you want to go to the beach or to to another city. So that's the only negative. So how did you end up in Las Vegas? So I, from France, I grew up in France and at the age of 18, I lived to go to college in Israel. And when I was in Israel, I met my ex-husband who was from California. So he wanted to come back to the U.S. I said, why not? And he was then transferred in Las Vegas when I was still married. So that's how I ended up in Vegas. I see. So let's go back to the beginning of your life. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your childhood? What was it like growing up in France and your family background? So my childhood... And and that's very funny because I had what I thought at the time a very normal childhood and my parents are great people, but like every one of us, they are limited by their own conditioning and what they've learned because we cannot do anything else than what we know and what we've learned. So it was it was very normal nice um I grew up in a suburb in the suburb of Paris and um yeah i i don't think there is nothing particular about my childhood very family oriented 
no, in France, in fact, the the one thing that maybe is different from growing out here in America, for example, in my family, we were encouraged to be very proper. Mm. Very like you don't speak too loud when you're in the train or the or the subway. It's not proper. Uh, you have to be very polite. Um, and and there is one thing that I remember that when I lived France to go study in Israel, Israeli people are way more direct. Mm. And in France, for example, when somebody offers something to you, let's say you go to somebody's house. And they ask you, do you want some olives or some appetizers? The general rule at the time, I think it has changed, was to say no twice. Mm -hmm. So the person insists twice and then you say, okay, then yes, thank you. And I, when I moved to Israel, uh, it was, <laughs> I got shocked because I was invited to a house for a weekend and they offered something to me and I said, no. And they said, okay. And they switched to the next, next person. <laughs> so I learned very fast to be more direct and maybe less proper really quick. So I, that was my childhood. And then when I was 18 years old, I, I left France for Israel. I was still very young. Um, I went to college and there was like, like opening a gate of adventure because <laughs> I met people from all over the world. When I grew up, my father was pretty strict with me. I was the first one on top of it all. Mm. So suddenly... I was the master of my time. I was, I, I had the permission to do anything I wanted. And I didn't necessarily go crazy, but it was very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I realized that I was kind of shy. What did you like about living in Israel besides the freedom? Did you enjoy living there? I loved living there. Actually, I'm getting ready to uh, potentially move back. In, <gasps> ah. Yes, with my son. Of course, with COVID in the way, everything got delayed. Right. Uh, I loved the mentality because, like I was saying, and I'm a pretty direct person myself now, there is a variety too in the country. In the north, it's greener. In the south, it's more like desertic, like we have here in Nevada. I just loved it there. Um, I loved their way of living, and uh, I loved living next to the beach. That was... Uh, I was living in front of the beach for some time when I was just before I left Israel for the US. So that was a treat, like the ultimate for me because I love the beach. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell our listeners about your grit and resilience story? So I have several, but the one I really talk about today is being a single mom because I'm, I, uh, I became a single mom when my son was two, like about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I could manage because I had to be the everything for my kids, the financial support, the emotional support, everything, because I divorced from someone who suffers from addiction and who was in denial about it. So at a certain point, everything was on my back and it's still like that today. So it became very difficult and I contracted uh, hepatitis B. So I was not only healing the disease, I was recovering. My kids, the last two became teenagers and everything went, everything <laughs> went crazy. 
<laughs> because I have very, very adventurous kids who love to explore and explore in parties and try stuff and, you know, the kind of acting out that some teenagers do. And I found myself in so much anxiety because I was trying to protect them 24-7. And of course, it's impossible that I started waking up at night in anxiety attacks, seeing like I had images like my daughter is going to end up dead in the street because maybe she will try something at a party and, and you know, like she could die on the spot. Horrible scenarios in my head. And slowly, slowly, I spiraled into depression and mm. I didn't see it coming. I think that I didn't see it coming for two reasons, because it was slow, like, you know, uh, lighting a fire under a pot and you don't realize that you're boiling slowly. Mm -hmm. But also because I was, I am such a positive person that I could not even admit to myself that I was depressed until one night I kept telling myself and even out loud sometimes, unfortunately, I would love just to disappear. And the thoughts were like, it's too much. I can't manage all that. It's too much for me. It's too difficult. So constantly, all day long, repeating stuff like that to myself and going further and further down until one night I woke up in tears and somehow there is a power in us that is always assisting us and life is always assisting us into healing what needs to be healed. And somehow that night was so bad. I woke up crying and I suddenly was able to admit to myself something that I couldn't admit before, which was, I don't like my life. Mm. Because I had so much shame and self-judgment about the fact that I didn't like my life. Because to me, it meant you don't love your kids because you have healthy kids, you have normal kids, you have a normal life. And it was like almost an abomination to say something like that. It made me, in my head, it made me a bad mother. And that night, when I finally looked at the reality and at, at the truth, I started crying because I realized that we are walking paradoxes. And on one side, I didn't like my life. But on the other side, I loved my kids. And it, one didn't negate the other. And I was finally, it opened the door to, to freedom because I let go of the shame and the self-judgment. And I started healing because the, the first step in healing is acknowledging what is and seeing what needs to change. Otherwise, you cannot change anything. You cannot heal. And from there, um, I doubled on my self-care practices, which literally the same tools that I gave my clients, the brain tools, like the brain training tools and the energetic tools and the meditation and asking the powerful questions that brought me to uh, more awareness and into a solution. And slowly, slowly, I went up and back to myself. That's why now I know the pain and I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I'm trying to prevent that as much as I can. Yeah, I think that being a single parent is just a completely unappreciated talent, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a talent because 
I guess you have to develop it as you yes, do it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> What do you think is one of the hardest things about being a single parent? For me, it was the self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And before I really came to define my areas of power and my areas of powerlessness, that was a challenge too, because you try to control something that you cannot control, which is another another human being. And that was very difficult for me because I was used, I've been taught, you know, I've, I was raised the old-fashioned way with parents say and you do. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there are consequences. That's not like that anymore. And I didn't want it to be like that for my kids either because I, I now we know better. And we know to keep room for them to be individuals and respect that you have an individual in front of you while still putting limits for them to be safe. So that was hard for me. And the other part was like the confusion. What should I do? You never know if it's the right solution, the right decision. So I had to learn to negotiate that and to build some access to my inner wisdom and some trust trust in myself. And what do you think are some blessings of being a single mom? Well, definitely you have the freedom to do whatever you want <laughs> because nobody's going to tell you, no, you don't put that in the house or you don't, you don't go to that place on vacation. I have friends who are married and sometimes they're like, I envy the fact that you don't have to pick up the dirty socks of your husband. <laughs> right. I imagine it's a little bit like, and this is how I can relate to leaving the corporate world and not having to report to a boss. Yes. I mean, even though your spouse is not your boss, but I mean, hopefully not, but it's just having that freedom, I'm sure. Yes. You know, although being a single parent probably, well, probably has some similarities to being an entrepreneur, really. You're on your own, which can be challenging. It does. Yeah. Uh, it does. Yeah. But that's also, that's such freedom. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. a great prize. I don't know if it's a prize, like that's a win, let's say. Uh-huh. Right, right. <laughs> and the other one is, Because I parent my kids, well, in my case, on top of it all, alone, practically with uh, no intervention or involvement too much of their father, we have a bond that is so strong. Mm. That's a heart-to-heart bond that I really, I'm so grateful about it regularly, like when I do gratitude um, you know, pages in the morning, or that's something that I will always say. Thank you for. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, what about your hepatitis B? Are you still str- struggling from that? No. So I'm also certified in Reiki and energy work. So I, of course, I did it on myself. I made sure when I bounced back from the depression, I'm very careful about taking care of myself because you can forget yourself as a mom and as a single mom even more. Uh, there are so many things to do. You can forget about taking care of your body, your mind. And I was able to, I'm off med now. My body, mm-hmm. my doctor told me it's like if I had the vaccine. So, Oh, um, that's great. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about teenagers. What advice do you have for single moms of teens? First of all, the main advice, because based on the feedback that I get from moms and, and I'm in several groups and when I have a membership too, where I interact with them, don't take things personally. Don't, because you're going to get hurt. That's good advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, the first thing, because when you're hurt, your stress center is on alert. 
So your body is preparing, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze response from the body when we are under threat. It's the same mechanism and you don't have access to your frontal cortex, which is the analyzing part of the brain. You can't find your own inner resources. You can't think logically. You're all emotion and you're like fire. So once it's activated, you have to calm it down and and usually it's hard to do in the moment. So not to take things personally and having a mantra, if you have to tell yourself every morning, that's not personal. They're growing. They're pushing the limits. Love is under all that. I just did a, an episode about that and uh, a class about um, be, being less reactive mm. to your teenager because mm-hmm. that was just something that came up in so many moms lately. So I, I, I did a class last week. Yeah, we're all the same. We get hurt. Yeah, that, and that is really helpful information for any parent, not just the single parents. Yeah. Not to take things personally. Because they're, I mean, they're trying to individuate and distance themselves and become independent. And yeah. yeah. And even with any relationship, really, I don't know if you know the book. Uh, that's one of my go-to and come back to. Um, the four agreements for from Don Miguel Ruiz. I have yes, I have heard of that. Yes. So one of the agreements is do not take things personally. And that literally changed my life. Because once you don't take things personally, you can resolve conflicts so much better. You you navigate life better. Yeah, that's great. Really great advice. What would you say, what mistakes do you have made in your life and what have you learned from them? So in my parenting, I wish I had known and worked on everything that I now practice and know before mm-hmm. when my kids were younger, because we are the results of the way we grew up. And this will imprint in us beliefs, patterns, models of the world. And I realized, I remember this definite moment when I was raising my voice at my kids. I don't know how old they were, probably 10. And I caught myself as I was doing it. And I was like, oh my God, I react like my father. And I love (laughs) my father, Mm -hmm. but he learned stuff that were outdated to parent that way. From that day on, I made sure that I went back and healed what needed to be healed and and changed what needed to be changed. That's where the don't take it personally comes in place too. Because I always tell people, do not bleed your childhood wounds on your kids or on anybody else, in fact. If you don't attend to them, they will run the show whether you know it or not. That's a mistake I wish I wish I had done uh, I had corrected earlier. And another thing is because I had limiting beliefs regarding life and maybe regarding abundance and all kind of stuff that I started working on late in my life, I probably surely transmitted some to my kids. Uh, one that I can see clearly into my daughter, my first one, who's 24, and that she started working on too, is pushing yourself so much that sometimes you make yourself sick because you're an overdoer. 
Like if you don't kill yourself trying it, then it's not worth it. That's something that I got from my childhood and that I I'm letting go of. And it's in layers. Like anything that you you resolve, it comes in layers. You you resolve what I always say because I'm French. I love artichokes. Uh. <laughs> so you remove one leaf after another until you get to the the great the heart of it. So. You remove, I, I remove that leaf over and over in different aspects of my life. So what are you most proud of looking back over your life? I'm proud of that. I'm proud of myself for trying and going for my dream, even though it was not easy. Because being a single mom, having a day job and starting your dream business on the side was not easy. So you were working full-time when you first started your business? Yes. Ah. Yes. And I'm still working and I'm still developing the business Mm -hmm. because I had to. I mean, I was the only one raising my kids, college and everything. I I had to be there for my kids financially. But when one of my daughters had to do a project, I remember at at a certain point in high school, and they were talking about the American dream and success. And she picked me and I was like, I almost oh, cried. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not a super, you know, multimillionaire person. She said, no, but you're an immigrant and you were on your own and you inspired me because you still went for it. Oh. And that was so touching. The other thing, and it's always relating to my kids somehow, what comes to mind now my son at one point, we were in the car and we were talking about an issue. And he said, if there is one thing that is sure is that we learn to defend ourselves from you, not from our dad. Mm-hmm. You taught us that. So that's, Aww. I mean, that's priceless. Yeah. It does sound like you have a very close relationship with your kids. That's I great. Do. I do. Wonderful. Can you tell me about a time recently when you felt great joy? When we went with my kids, we love taking road trips. And usually in the car, they expose me to music that <laughs> I don't necessarily would listen to if I was alone, like rap and, uh, you know, those new trends and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Th- those trips I, I cherish because we share. Uh, they make fun of me, of course, with my accent. <laughs> and those are great memories that's a lot of joy yeah my husband is British so we get a little bit of that as well (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah yeah and my my youngest son who's 14 has this great gift for accents so I I always enjoy hearing him put on various accents my son does that too and he does it so well I don't know maybe as kids were exposed to accents really early, maybe they yeah. developed a skill. I don't know. Maybe I'm not good at it. <laughs> so Me I either. let him do it. I know. Just, just good at the at French accent. Right. Your French accent is <laughs> beautiful. That's all you need. Do you miss France at all? I miss certain aspects of it. I miss the culture because I love I love the you know, the history of France and all the architecture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember as a kid going to castles and especially medieval time. I'm very, uh, I, I'm a fan of the medieval time as far as architecture and, and the stories. And I remember being fascinated because once I was walking in a castle and then I, I realized that many centuries before me, the king and queen walked exactly where I walked. Uh, and I remember I was probably 12. I, I went with my grandma and I was like, oh, wow, 
I was fascinated. So that I miss mm-hmm. and the food. Yeah. What is your favorite dish? Do you have a particular favorite or? No, it's not so much a dish. I love cheese. Oh, so yes. you give me wine, red wine, and cheese and baguette. I'm happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only time I've been to France was in 2001. We spent a week in Paris and just had a wonderful time there. It was in August. So all the, all the French oh, people had left. True. But yeah, but it was, yeah, it was a wonderful week. I would love to yeah, go back. Yeah, it's usually the month where all the tourists are in Paris and the yes. people are gone somewhere. Yes. I mean, there were way too many continental European to- uh, tourists yeah. that were not really very nice. They were not very polite. <laughs> I remember there was a lot of pushiness. So oh. that wasn't very, yeah. Like uh, we went to, we went to Paris Disney because we, ha- my oldest son was oh. four at the time yeah. and they were all these Europe. I don't know if they were German. I don't know where they were from, but yeah. you know, from other parts of Europe and they were not good at standing in line or, you know. Well, in, in France, well, in America, we're so uh, spoiled because there is a line. People know their place. They don't try to, most of the time, they don't try to go in front of, of you. In France, you better be careful because people will try. Yes. So, yes. yeah. So, yes. I to, yeah. But I think I, these people were not French. They were from other parts of Europe, but um, I guess it's European. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the Brits are more used to queuing, but yeah, that yeah. I, but it was, it was a wonderful week. I remember my husband would go, we were in an apartment and he would go out to buy, you know, fresh croissants in the morning. Oh. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> it was, it was wonderful. I loved it. So one of these days I hope to go back. So can you tell our listeners what you're doing now with your life and you have a gift to offer as well, you mentioned. Yes. So now because of what happened to me, I help single moms. I also have moms who are not single because it's being a mom is tough. I help them prevent that emotional downward spiraling that can end up in depression. And I help them avoid constant arguing with their teens. So I have, I, I, of course, I coach one-on-one. I have a podcast and I also have a membership where we meet once a month, but I also have recorded tools. Like, are you familiar with tapping emotional freedom technique? I am, yes. So for the auditors who are not, it's a technique that combines modern psychology because it has an aspect of cognitive, cognitive behavior therapy and ancient wisdom because we use the acupuncture meridians that we tap on to calm down the, 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 the stress response in the body that I was talking about earlier. The, it's called the amygdala, which will, when activated, um, flood your body with, with, um, adrenaline and cortisol, all the, hormones of stress and being ready to to fight. So this technique helps you calm down that response in your body so you can have access to your brain and you can deal with the situation without being too triggered. Because sometimes we as parents, when our teenager is triggering us, we regress and we're suddenly six-year-old fighting with a also a six-year-old because they're also triggered and they also regress. And it doesn't lead us to good results. So when you're able to stay in your center and stay 
the mature parent that you really are, things go so much better because you don't react to their either provocation or their attitude or their whatever they're throwing at you. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm helping moms fight the spiraling down, like not go there to a point where it becomes sometimes debilitating and have a more harmonious relationship with their teens because it goes so fast. I already have... My daughter is out and she went to college and came back. It goes so fast. So we might as well appreciate. It does, definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned that you wanted to offer something to readers. Oh, yes. To listeners. Yeah. I'm sorry, I forgot. No, don't worry. Don't worry. So on my my website, uh, singlemomsdoingitall.com, there is a, a kit that's called Back to Peace for Moms Kit. And in that kit, you have a meditation to clear if people know about the chakras, the energy centers in the body, uh, to clear each one of your chakras so your your energy is is clear and low, uh, vibrating high. A session of EFT tapping, emotional freedom technique, to calm yourself down after an argument so you can come back to your senses and to your centered place in yourself and a visualization for those moments when you have either a worry that you can't stop thinking about, or let's say you had an argument with someone, your teen or someone else, and you said, I should have said that. And I, you know, you're, you're prisoner of a thought loop that is a negative one and you cannot get out of it. So that meditation will help you take some distance from it and also Understand the message under what you're going through because our emotions are always in connected to what's going down, what's going on under the surface of our conscious mind. And that way you can go and extract maybe the limiting beliefs or the patterns or something that would serve you to change and let go of. Sounds wonderful. I bet a lot of people could benefit from that. Thank you. Yeah. So my final question is, is there a story of grit and resilience that has been an inspiration for you in your life? Mm, The one that comes to mind, it's about a physical illness. I don't know if you've heard about Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's originally, I think he was a chiropractor and now I don't know what else, but he's teaching people to meditate in a scientific way so that you can literally come back to your true essence and create your reality from the field of all potentials. And his story is that he fell, I think, biking, and they told him that he would never walk again. Of course, he didn't listen, and he worked with his brain and his will, and now he's he's doing everything he wants. So that's the story that comes to mind. But there are so many. I mean, I cultivate habit of listening to inspirational stories or inspirational material every single day. Because when I don't, we are bombarded with messages of fear. And we can very easily go down into fear and live our life from fear. So I make it a point to be in charge of my daily conditioning, because no matter what, we are conditioned. So I must might as well choose my conditioning instead of letting society and the world condition me. 
Yes, that that makes total sense. And I agree that when I hear stories of grit and resilience, it really propels me forward. You know, it makes me feel grateful for what I have. And I'm inspired by other people who have overcome huge obstacles. That's why I started podcasting. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure when you have people on your podcast who tell stories of overcoming challenges, it also feeds you. It's nurturing this this hope and this joy for life in you, probably. Absolutely. It's just been a wonderful time getting to know you, Muriel. Oh, it's wonderful for me too. I love doing that. Yeah. I, I wish you luck in getting to Israel. Thank you. That will happen at some point, but you know... <laughs> whatever you can't control, like the timing of that thing that has been going on for a few months. I mean, that's okay. I love America and I have a roof above my head and everything is fine. Good. Well, it's, it's good that you're, you're flexible about that. <laughs> who, knows I mean, what, who knows what the, what the next year will, will bring, right? Yeah. If I've learned something with my, uh, my experience of depression and coming back is don't try to control what you can't control. And that's why when I teach people, I, I, I teach co-parenting with the universe because there is a side where it's your area of power and you should develop the skills and the talents and everything to act, take action in that area. The rest, build the trust that the same power that keeps you alive and protects you does the rest for all the people you love and life is on your side because it will free so much energy to not invest your energy in something that you cannot control and it's not your job to control. I agree. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Muriel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's That's great to meet you. Muriel has accomplished so much as a single parent and I enjoyed our conversation about parenting teens. Don't forget, you can find further details about her journey and photos on my website. Go to www fertilegroundcommunications.com and look for the podcast tab. Don't forget my new Companies That Care podcast starts next week on Earth Day, April 22nd. I'll take you around the world to hear about companies and leaders that are working to make this world a better place. You can find more information on my website. Thanks for listening to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast. If you liked today's episode, please visit our Patreon page and learn how to support us. You can also subscribe and leave a review. Our music is by jazz pianist Jonathan Swanson. This podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications.